Everybody that loves the Lord, say amen. amen. Everybody's glad you're going to glory, say amen. amen. Everybody's glad to be in the church, say amen. Thank God for it. I want to say a couple of things before I announce the text and preach the message tonight. Say maybe three things. Number one, I'm praying for something special. And I'm not going to tell you what it is. But I'm praying for something special here. And I thank the Lord for it. Number two, I want to say that uh, I really love and, I, well, I appreciate your pastor. Now, I preach uh, for one hundred and a half churches every year. I took my calendar out in the last five years and got a calculator and seen how many churches I was in. And it averaged out to a hundred and a half. So somewhere in America, there's a half a church I preach at. And I think I know which one it is. It ain't y'all. But uh, so the Lord's let me uh, be with a lot of brothers and a lot of men, a lot of preachers. And uh, I can't tell you how special your pastor is. God's put him in my heart like a brother, like a real brother. I got a thousand brothers out there, but he's a brother. To get over there in that David and Jonathan type business. Now him and Brother Ben may be like a David and Jonathan, but I feel like I'm, we're getting in there with them. And that's how I feel about your preacher. Number three. Uh, and well, back to number two. I've got him scheduled. He's one of the men the Holy Ghost told me to preach in our summer camp meeting. And I hope y'all come. All ages are welcome. July the 28th through the 30th. Get your little brochure down here. Get you a prayer card. That's my family. And uh, a wife, Jennifer, and our children. You ladies, feel free to find her on Facebook and be friends with her. You men, feel free to not. Do that. <laughs> and I wouldn't have to do nothing. I married her out of the swamp. She carries an iron skillet in her purse. She'll knock you up. She carries a coach purse, but she got an iron skillet in there. She brings it out on me occasionally when I need it. God's given me a wonderful bride and precious children. Number three, I want to mention this while it's just us tonight and nobody else. Last year we raised those 100s for our mission trips and our ministry, especially in Albania. And we're doing that again this year. And so the Lord's got me preaching in Central America, specifically there, Mexico, Guatemala, Panama, and they're trying to get me to the Honduras, but I don't know if I'll go there or not. But then uh, we're also in Uganda, in Thailand. We've only been we've been one time apiece there, but we got meetings scheduled to go back. We're putting together a trip to Africa. Actually, Brother Ezel, I need you to go with me on some of these. Sister Ashley turns, she's she's scared. <laughs> if he brings back anything. Any parasites or bugs, sis, we'll just run him down to the Waffle House, get some of that chili. <laughs> yeah. 
That Waffle House chili will cure you of things that ain't even wrong with you. But anyhow, especially our ministry in Eastern Europe, and uh, so if the Lord tells you, give us $100 toward our mission trips. It costs tens of thousands, and that's the way we do it. We're raising money in the churches. I only mention it when the Holy Spirit tells me, and uh, there's two men right now going to get their checkbook. What about that? Isn't that precious how the Lord <laughs> just moved on both those men? And, and that's wonderful. Well, the uh, fourth thing I was going to say, <laughs> since he's left, I was going to talk about Brother Ken again. And I think last night I told everybody he was old, fat, and ugly. <laughs> and I was going to apologize, but he's left. So now uh, what I'm going to say is that uh, his brother looks just like him. That's what I was going to say right, right there. I really wanted him to hear that because he's going to enjoy that. <laughs> I've waited all day to say that, and he missed it. We was talking about you, brother, about how slender and attractive you still are after all these years. I think, <laughs> I, think I helped him last night. He said he got out of the service, and his wife said, Honey, you ain't ugly. <laughs> I think I may have helped him a little bit. But uh, if the Lord tells you to give a hundred, you obey the Lord and do that. God will help you. I want you to go to uh, Galatians. Thank the Lord. I'm praying for something special. I'm going to come to Galatians and I'm only going to preach what the Lord tells me. I want to preach on Christian conflicts. I hate to tell you this, there's going to be conflicts down there at the church. All right, I need y'all to help me. There's going to be conflicts down there at the church. When you drive by the side of the road, it looks like a sweet little old building over there and some mighty nice people. But you come in here and hang out with us a while, it's a tempest in a teapot. I want to talk to you about Greatest thing you'll ever have in this revival. By the way, God's God is sending y'all revival these days. Yeah. I ain't talking about this week. Right. This week may be a little part of it, but God is sending y'all revival. And uh, the greatest thing about revival is that unity. Yes. Help me right there. Yes. Unity. Hey. And... Uh, Oh, the old devil loves to tear up that unity. And so I want to preach along some lines tonight. Now, I'm going to tell you why y'all have got to have revival. is because God's wanting to save. There's a lot more young men in this county that God's wanting to save. And he's going to use this man and this church to do it. Y'all ain't as excited about that as I thought you'd be. There's, there's 50 more that need young couples need to be saved and baptized. Yeah. They ain't in here right now. Yeah, right. They're out there somewhere. Yeah. Yes. But if y'all continue on in the power of God, Bless. God's wanting to save a bunch of sinners yeah. in this place. Yes. You can't afford to not to have revival. I bless his name. When the Lord takes this where it's going, you're going to see. 
Christian conflicts. Look in Galatians. I'm simply going to walk you through the book of Galatians for a little while <coughs> and show you the, some conflicts. Now, the book of Galatians is interesting. It's also a book of contrast. We're not going to go into that tonight, but Isaac and Ishmael are in here. The flesh and the spirit are in here. The false gospel and the true gospel are in here. The ministry of Simon Peter with the Jews and the ministry of Paul with the Gentiles are in here. Mount Sinai is mentioned in contrast to Mount Calvary. Amen. Mount Zion. And uh, <clears throat> there's, this is a book of contrast. It's also a book of conflicts. And so I simply want to look at them and let the Holy Ghost help us. I'm glad I'm in church, ain't you? Amen. Number one, Galatians 1.10. For do I now persuade, do you see chapter 1 verse 10? For do I now persuade men or God? That's number one. If you ever get saved and full of the Holy Ghost and in the heart of the church, you're going to find out that natural men really despise the Lord Jesus. You can't please, you can't serve God and mammon and you can't please God and man. I need a little help right there. Over in Corinthians 3, you got, you got carnal men, you got, you got spiritual men, and you got the natural man. There's three kind of men. A natural man, he's never been saved. He's still in his old nature. And there's a carnal man. He's saved, but he still he loves the world more than he loves the Lord. And then you got a spiritual man. He loves the Lord more than he loves the world. That's all that is. That's your, that's your natural, your carnal, and your spiritual. And I want to say something to you. When Paul got saved, brother, he had a lot of men began to hate him there in Jerusalem. And so I want to say this. You're going to have to get over a natural man. They receive not the things of the Spirit of God. And man is going to be a big problem if you ever get full of the Holy Ghost. And a lot of them people you're kin to, they're not spiritual and they're not even carnal. A lot of them's natural. And you southerners are natural. Amen. Man, you can't please man. Well, you got to go with God. Now I want to say this. Y'all stand by your pastor. He's going to have to stand against a lot of men. See what verse 10, if I yet please men, I should not be the servant of Christ. Now, there's something wrong in the church when somebody is always unhappy. Why are you unhappy? What ails you? What's wrong with you? You can't flow with the ebb and the flow of the Spirit of God, the saints of God, the moving of God. Help me now. Guarantee you the natural man don't understand what happened last night. Natural man don't understand what was preached the night before. Natural men do not understand the prayer meeting that went on Sunday night. Natural man. And so you're going to have a real conflict with man. Number two. Number two. It's over in verse... It's chapter 2, verse 11. Y'all ready for the Bible study tonight? <clears throat> chapter 2, verse 11. Mm. But when Peter was come to Antioch, I withstood him to the face because he was to be blamed 
Ruh row. We got two preachers having a fuss. Y'all help me now. Ruh row. <laughs> you didn't never knew that happened, did you? Then that's something. And it's the two best preachers alive at the time. It was Peter and Paul. And uh, did you know Paul was actually wrong here? Even though he was right? He was technically right. Simon Peter had a ministry to the Jews. He pastored in Jerusalem. He was the apostle to the circumcision, the Jews. That's Romans 11. Paul, as a contrast, came later as one born out of due time. He was an apostle to the Gentiles. And as the apostle to the Gentiles, he was real strong on that salvation by grace. Simon Peter was dealing with the Jews at Jerusalem. And I guarantee you, if he was called to be a missionary to the Mormons in Salt Lake City, there's some cultural things that you'd have to deal with out there. And did you know that here we got Paul getting in Peter's face and then wrote it in a letter and sent it to all the churches. That was a 2,000-year-ago version of Facebook. It may have took six months to get out, you know. It gets out a little quicker now and that's yeah. just one second. <laughs> Back then, he'd write a letter and send it. It'd take a year to circulate. It was worse than snail mail, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. And I want to say, y'all help me now. Y'all got to help me. Y'all got to help me tonight. Now, Paul was technically right. Simon Peter was uh, trying to work with them Jews, and he may, have, he may have still allowed some of that Judaism and some of that law. To be, I mean, he may have worked with it. One way of saying it is he's working with it. Another way of saying he's tolerating it and it, Get, you know, there's some things you'll have to tolerate a little while yeah. before God moves it out. There's things in this church that are not right. I don't know what they are. Y'all could fill me in after the service. Yeah. Somebody fill me in. Hey, hey, there's things in my life that he's working around and working with. I'm not sure what they are. He'll tell me. I think I may know one or two things. I may know. And he's, he's working with me. And he's working on me. And he's working in this church and working on this church. Y'all with me? Woo! When you was out of service, I was telling just how beautiful you and your brother was, Brother Ken. You missed it. You missed the whole thing. But here's a young preacher, Paul, and he's ready to straighten it out right now. And he, he was at Galatians is one of his earliest letters. He was a young preacher. Now you got to understand the Apostle Paul had a lot of ambition. He had a lot of zeal. When he's living for the devil, he's cutting people's heads off. Well, now he's living for God. I think he's still wanting to cut some heads off. Help me now. And he said, I want everybody to know I got in Peter's face. He's technically right. Trying to get him out of that law and into grace. but he didn't have a ministry to the Jews. Oh, this Bible study just slowed way down. 
had it in my mind. I was going to go one, two, three, four, five, six, and dismiss. He didn't have a ministry to the Jews. He had a heart for them. He had a burden for them. But he was called to be a vessel to carry the gospel of the grace of God to the Gentiles. That's why he couldn't go fix that business. It wasn't his calling. And the man working on it was probably doing a good job. Peter was doing a good job on them Jews in Jerusalem, probably doing it just like the Lord wanted him to. Seemed like I heard Peter in 2 Peter 3, 15. said, now we just got to grow in grace and in knowledge. About to run, y'all ain't helping me. Old preacher Simon Peter, he knew that God gives you space to grow. He gives you space to grow. Paul was like, where are you at? I just train them out. Get it out My little point is you got two preachers. And you're going to have that. You're going to have a conflict with the brethren. And you know it didn't hurt nobody and it didn't stop nothing. Y'all get over your little old silly feelings and move on. Paul grew up and kept serving God. Simon Peter went on. And you know what he said? Everybody look at the end of 2 Peter 3. There's this first 15, 16, or 17. Brother Lancaster, look what he said there. See, he's not running the risk of looking like Father and all. He just covered it with a beard. He just covered it with a beard. With a pretty cool beard, by the way, too. Black, curly. That's a beard you can pluck. That's a scriptural beard. <laughs> what verse is it where right there, and I don't know which verse y'all got to tell me. He said, and here's Simon Peter, and he's saying, our beloved brother Paul, God's given him wisdom, and he's writing of some things. Verse 15, that are un, and people that are unstable and unlearned, they rest do y'all, everybody see that? Wow. Isn't that grace? All right, when Simon Peter had a letter to write and sent to everybody, you know what he said? He said, boy, our beloved brother Paul. And he said, hey, y'all know what? Y'all look at that verse. God's told him some things that are hard to understand. Are y'all getting that? Wasn't he kind? It may have been hard to understand when that young preacher was in his face chewing him out. He said, but our beloved brother Paul and people that are unlearned and unstable, they rest with a W. They twist it by wrestling to their own destruction. He said, God, hey! He said, God has showed Paul some great mysteries. Isn't that mighty gracious? A man writes a letter on you. I got in his face. I chewed him out. But here's the older preacher. God showed him some things that are hard for us to understand right now. But God's using that man. And we need to grow in grace. Y'all help me now. And you know it's, 
You know what you need to do next time somebody gets in your Facebook? <laughs> you just need to say, my beloved brother. Not easy to understand, but look how God's using Because you know what? Boy, this second point slowed down. Simon Peter remembers the day he threw his buddies under the bus. He was a young preacher full of himself. Come back with me to the Gospels. Jesus, before headed to Calvary, all of you are going to forsake me tonight. And who speaks up? Come on, I need the old timers to talk to me. Who speaks up? Simon Peter, Lord, I can see these boys forsaking you. But I'm ready. And he said that. He said, they may forsake you. <laughs> Don't you know they were like, what? Yeah. He's pointing at them. I can see them quitting. But I'm going all the way with you. And he was cussing and blaspheming within 24 hours. So he remembers being a young preacher and putting his other fellow preachers down. And when this young zealous preacher's in his face and even wrote a letter about it, he just said, yeah. I can remember how I was when I was getting started. Don't y'all think that we all just need to grow in grace? There's gonna be conflicts. By the way, the apostle Paul he is a real hypocrite. Did you know after he sent Galatians' letter, I straightened Peter out on all the points of the law. He's scared of them Jews. He needs to make a stand. Did you know that Paul later took his own preacher boys, circumcised them and shaved their heads, took them to Jerusalem to keep the feast, and he'd done that to them just to not defend the Jews? Wow! I thought you just chewed Peter out for much lesser of the law. And you circumcised and grown your grown preacher boys. Shaving their head, taking them to Jerusalem to keep the feast. I thought you just sent a letter out and told everybody how you chewed Peter out over things far less than that. Oh, y'all better help me. Let me tell you something, honey, that the Lord told all of us. You trying to get that splinter out of my eye, you better watch out for that telephone pole sticking out of yours. Here's a good plan. Here's a good plan. Here's a good plan. Mind your own business. There's a good plan. Mind your own business. Oh, here's another plan. Here's another plan. When a when a immature a more immature Christian than you is showing out, just remember back when you used to show out. There's another good plan. <laughs> That's another good plan. Yeah, they had they they were getting in their face book way back then too. 
All right, while well, y'all are all slowed up right here and got this sermon all messed up, I want to point a little something else out. I'm just going to run this by you and let y'all chew on it. You know all them times that Paul had hard times? He got stoned, he got shipwrecked, he got beaten, all that. Did you know that every time it was unnecessary? The only time Paul got in all that kind of trouble was when he was trying to go back to Jerusalem to win the saints. To win the Jews. And they never did get saved. They got mad. Would beat him or stone him or something and then he'd rededicate his life. (laughs) Three times read Acts. It denounce them, your blood's on your own head, I'm going back to the Gentiles, and the Lord would be like, yeah. <laughs> Who sent you back to Jerusalem? I sent you from Jerusalem. And he'd head back to the Gentiles, and every time he did, churches would get started, sinners would get saved, preacher boys would get called. He had a calling to the Gentile and a heart for the Jew. This generation believes in following your heart. What you better do is follow God's heart, the Spirit of God. My heart is in North Georgia tonight. My heart's not to be with your children. It's to be with mine. I love your Braden and this little grandchild of this good-looking man on the corner. <laughs> I love, I love the skinny family and all their kids over here. Yes. We forgot we named them that last year. Your little boy, I love your little boy. But I love my heart's with my three tonight. Yeah. But my calling is to be with y'all's. Yeah. And when y'all was praying for your prodigal Sunday night, I was praying, God, I'm out here going after your children. Would you go back and take care of mine? My heart's to start a church in Chattanooga or Jacksonville, but God's heart's to send me to the churches in a lot of places. I'd rather be sitting with my dad in his last days but the Lord's got me sitting with Brother Ken, brother over here, and this brother. I'm just going to trust him. I'm going to trust him. I'm going to trust him, but in that thousand year reign, I had my arm around him last night, and for a little while, I just acted like that was my dad. I'm going to trust him in that thousand year reign. Every night that I miss with my kids, he's going to multiply that a hundred times. And they travel with me when they could, and then sometimes you can't. Folks, you, this is a tough, demanding lifestyle. Half truck driver, half gypsy. Paul. 
Paul would go after his own heart and get out of the will of God. Then he'd go after what was in God's heart. His heart, Romans 9. He said, I could wish myself were a curse for my brethren, the Jews. He'd go after his heart, and it never would work. But then he'd go after God's heart, which was us, a bunch of Gentile dogs. Woo! He'd go after the heart of God. And God would bless. Just stop and bring it home just for a minute. Why? And, and some of you have been hanging around dead church your whole life and you're sitting in there. Well, why does the pastor, why did he do like that last night? He wasn't following his heart. He was following God's heart last night. <laughs> His heart was to hear me preach. I'm going to think that it was anyway. <laughs> Sister Ashley, I'm just going to act like that's what he wants. But God's heart. God, last night I said, you know, I love Dane, but son, sit down a minute. I want to come love on my bride. How about instead of my evangelist telling my bride about me, how about I just come down there and tell my bride about me? <laughs> Would you rather get a letter from your sweetheart or get a hug? Tonight you're getting a letter. Last night you got a hug. He made a personal appearance last night. He, he flew his plane in here and it didn't say Trump. It said the Holy Ghost. Amen. <laughs> I'm pretty sure the Lord ain't never been on that plane, that other plane right there. Oh, my. And I may vote for him just for fun. Y'all want to have fun? When I vote this year, I'm just going to do like this and vote three times. It turns out. Oh, my. Hope it hits Cruz every time, but. Well. Hmm. Brethren. All right, y'all doing all right? There's conflicts down there, ain't there? At the church. Natural men don't understand this. Sometimes brethren don't understand each other. Are y'all with me? Y'all still with me? We're going to go get some chili in a minute. Oh, here's a big one. Man, I shouldn't even bring this up. Galatians 2.20. Everybody look at it. Probably the greatest, probably the John 3.16 of the epistles, Galatians 2.20. John 3.16, the greatest gospel verse for sinners, Galatians 2.20, the greatest epistle verse for saints. Galatians 2.20. Did y'all hear me? John 3.16, maybe the greatest verse for the world. Galatians 2.20, probably the greatest verse for them saints. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, see there's the conflict, we're still in the flesh. I live by the faith of the Son of God. I can't even read it all, I'll preach for two hours. You're in the flesh, but the faith is in you. Yeah. And that's conflict. 
Self, if you're keeping notes. Man, that was the first point. It's a real conflict with man. Brethren, that was the second point. Self. The greatest enemy is the inner me. Now, folks, brother, I could preach this verse for two hours and just be getting started. So I'm just going to touch it. The greatest conflict you'll ever have in this Christian journey is within yourself. By the oh, I don't need to start preaching it. I preach for two hours. <laughs> You're such a problem. He just killed you. I am crucified. Have you ever heard people give that little devotion out of the end of Corinthians 12, I die daily? And they'll say something like this, and you can tell it's flaky because you knew it wasn't God when you said it and when you heard it said. Every morning when I wake up, I got to make a decision. I'm going to die to myself all day long. It's just great things. Oh, heavens. You're as goofy as a WWJD wristband. I tell you what he'd do, knock you upside the head. No, when he said I die daily, that wasn't a little morning devotion. Go back and read the context. He said I've been beat, I've been stoned, I've been shipwrecked. Of course, you know why all that happened. And he said it's a killing me. I'm dying a little more every day. By the way, we're all dying every day. You ain't never going to have any Christian victory until you see your eternal position. I am already killed and removed. I am crucified. Nevertheless, I live, but it ain't me. It's Christ living in me. You say, well, why am I frustrated then? Oh, glad you asked. Read the next verse. Well, if righteousness come by the law, our faith yet in vain. Read the next verse. I do not what? I do not frustrate the grace of God. The whole theme of the book of Galatians is we're not saved by works and we don't function by works. It's all by grace. And whenever you get in there and start trying, you're telling the Lord that he can't do his job and you're going to do it for him. Oh, y'all leave me alone. You're slowing this. Sister pianist, they're slowing this sermon down. They really are. Pray for them, would you? <laughs> Folks, it ain't yet not I. And any time I shows up, it's going to get frustrating. It's Christ in me. Now, I need to preach an eye right here, but I ain't going to. Had an old friend of mine, did the hospice work, helped people die. He had an old man, had open heart surgery, came out of the open heart surgery, and his lungs, down in Georgia, his lungs wouldn't come back and start working. So they put a lung machine on him, and it was breathing for him. As his strength began to come back, did you hear what I said? As his strength began to come back, 
he began to try to breathe. But it was interfering with that lung machine that was breathing for him. He didn't have the strength to breathe, but he was trying. They had something connected to him, in him, on him that was breathing for him. <laughs> Y'all ain't helping me. Don't make me go find a soul choir and bring them in here. They'll bring drums and organs and then we will have a reputation around here. You know what the doctor said? You're on the front row so you get yelled at a lot. You know, you know what the doctor leaned over and told our old friend, Sir, quit breathing or you're going to die. That ain't something you hear every day. <laughs> Quit trying to breathe. You can't. This lung machine is breathing for you. And you're interfering with it. Quit breathing or you'll die. And some of you are trying to live for God in your strength. And he's telling you, would you please quit trying to live for me? I'm living for you. Yeah. <laughs> and you're getting in the way. Yeah. You want me to tell you why this meeting's going good? Because he's learned and I've learned. The pastor can't do this. The evangelist can't do this. We're letting God. You could tell it in 10 minutes if he took over this meeting. You could tell it in five minutes if the evangelist thought he knew how this worked and he took over this meeting and started making it work. We'd interfere with God. We'd all be choking. And y'all be out there going... Them preachers are killing me. <laughs> They're killing this meeting. Huh? Most churches are already dead because men are trying to run it. They've interfered with God and God said, I, you know, die. Just go ahead and die. You don't want to listen. That make any sense, y'all? Y'all want to move on in this study or you want to go? I'm for either one. You want a little more? Let's get a little more. All right? I want y'all to repeat these things. The first conflict he had was man. Everybody say man. man. And then the second conflict was brethren. brethren. Better get used to it. It's going to happen. The third conflict is self. Okay? Let's get number four in here. Let's bring some witches in. I'm in chapter 3, verse 1. Let's get some witches in the church. I mean, don't go get them and bring them in, but let's bring them in this sermon. <laughs> Chapter 3, verse 1. Oh, foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you? Uh-oh, they had witches in the church. Casting spells and bringing demonic power, taking over people's lives. Hey, look at here, look at here. You better believe they got some demonic witches working in this hour. Oh, foolish Galatians. Who hath bewitched you that ye should not obey the truth? Mm. 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 Hey, y'all look up here for a second. Got to make this fast. 
whole reason he is writing Galatians, there's some heretics operating in demonic power that was messing up the Galatian churches, the Christians in the region of Galatia and getting them out of church and out of the gospel. Everybody look at chapter 1, verse 10 or 8. Verse, verse 8. Well, start in verse 6. Is everybody in chapter 1, verse 6? I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we preach, let him be accursed. All right, we got some strong words. Hey, accursed, bewitched. Hey, folks, this ain't, this ain't, this ain't child's nursery. This ain't a picnic. Yeah, right. This ain't a little Sunday school outing. Yeah. <laughs> this is warfare of the worst kind. Yeah. A curse means eternally damned without a chance of ever reversing it. Eternally sentenced to the darkest, hottest part of hell. That's what a curse means. Bewitched. Better believe there are heretics that operate in and out of the church. And brother, they do witches' work. They cast spells, they take power over people's lives. They seduce you, brainwash you, rope you, get you out. You say you're scaring me. Probably not near as much as you need to be scared. <laughs> Okay, so number four, we're going to say, what we want to call them, heretics or witches? They have to go with the Bible, they go with witches. You know what a conflict in a church? is when them people full of devils are trying to get you out. I'm going to say something, I think y'all are listening. You think you're just going to meander in here and just going to kind of, hey, I think we'll just go to Ingleside. Pastor Shane, he's wonderful. Let's go there. there. <laughs> let's go in and just hold hands and skip through the daisies for a decade or two. They just, just, look like they're having a sweet time. Uh, welcome to our war. Yeah. We're in a war in here. Yeah. It's eternal. It's a war for the souls of men. Yes. I'm sorry. If you get in this thing, you're getting in a war. Yeah. All right, you see that? You better believe that stuff's going on. Yeah. Yes. Mm. Mm. I'm trying to go to the next point. Y'all ought to be proud of me for moving along so quick. I mean, I need to hear it. I'm, I, 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 this... I have low self-esteem and I have to have it lifted up every once in a while. <laughs> even my friend won't even help me. <laughs> I'd preach right there and there. Bewitched. Y'all hang around, and there's some old timers in here. There's some old timers in here that have been serving God several decades and they could give you, hey, a long list of names of people 
that used to do this. But they're way out there now. And somebody bewitched them. Serious business. All right, let's try to move on. If we get out here before 8.30, ain't nobody going to believe us in town. Let's do it. Just give them something to talk about. They'll be like, man, what happened then? Number something. Go to chapter 4, verse 15. I'm fixing to walk through these others quickly. I'm going to give you the whole thing. Chapter 4. And verse 15 and 16, conflicts down at the church. Christian conflicts. How about when your own converts turn on you? Let's read two verses in chapter 4, verse 15. Where is then the blessedness you spake of? For I bear you record that if it had been possible, you would have plucked out your own eyes and have given them to me. Am I therefore become your enemy because I tell you the truth? Folks, don't ever fall in the category of being a person who used to talk about how blessed you were. You see the blessedness? Where's that blessedness you used to talk about? Why'd you get mad at the preacher? He just There was a time you would have pulled your eyes out and gave them to him. But now he's the enemy just because he tried to tell you the truth. It's a sad piece of business. This is your third year pastoring, is that right? Going on five. Going on five. Wait till you get 15. Wait till you get 50. Talk to your pastor Griffith and see how many people. There was a time They'd have gave him their car, gave him their house, gave him their shoes, pulled out their own eyes. That's how much they loved their preacher. But that blessedness, they ain't talking about it no more. Now they're mean and bitter. And now they said, that old preacher, he's so mean. Paul said, am I become your enemy because I tell you the truth? It's a sad business when your own converts become a real conflict down at the house of God. So I need everybody to listen for the next 10 seconds. Sometimes people get backslid and mean and they lose the blessing in their life and they turn on the very people who pulled them out of hell. When they do that, just make sure you don't do it with them. I'd like that one day... To be his age, 82, and heart starting to do different things, but still be on the second pew, still got a shout, still got a song, still, he, he leaned up a while ago, he leaned up a while ago, and he, he said, look at my pastor over there, he said he's one out of a million. That's, that was his words. 
said he's one out of a million and I love my preacher. I want to be 82 one day and they're having to look at my heart and I'm still on the second pew, still got my blessing and still stayed with God. I don't want to be on the side of the road talking about, well, I gave them everything I had. People were mean to me. And people got in my face. and People forgot what we did. And people didn't appreciate the sacrifice my family made. And I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, I'm a young man, but I got 33 years. And I'm proud of every one of them and a good proud. Not an arrogant proud, but I hope I've made the Lord happy kind of proud. 33 years! That's 33 years worth of men turning on you, converts turning on you, brethren turning on you, witches coming against you. And we're only halfway through the study as other things, man. And I ain't lost my blessing. I'm still in church. My old heart still get warm. I can still confess my sins. I can still pray for my enemies. I can still look at sinners and get a burden for them. I can still go down to the church in spite of all the storms and all the battles. And it's still my father's house. Thank God I can still praise him. Where's your blessedness? You watch out for these folk out here that's bitter. I ain't going to be able to finish this study. It take another hour. That, that may be what we need. You mark her down two things. Y'all live in the south, don't you? Does y'all live in the south? <laughs> two things you'll hear. Two things. Y'all ready? I'm a five-generation Baptist preacher. Goes back five generations before for the Civil War. Five generations ago, had an old circuit riding Methodist preacher, Daniel Bell. Had a mule, a songbook, and a Bible. And he made barrels in Atlanta, Georgia. Five generations. So I know Baptist. When you hear them say these two things, you can be guaranteed they're lying. Well, we're just not getting fed. How come y'all ain't, well, we just wasn't getting fed. There's only two types of people that can't feed themselves. That's infants and invalids. You're either crippled or you're a baby. The other thing you'll hear them say is, well... We really got hurt. Is that so? If you ever hear them say that, mark it down. They just told you a bald-faced lie. They didn't get hurt. Can I interpret that for you? Well, we really got hurt. When they say that, here's the interpretation. We just hurt a preacher, and we just hurt a church, and we just hurt a lot of young converts, and we just hurt a whole community. But we're going to blame it on them. That's the interpretation. 
You didn't know I had the gift of interpreting tongues, did you? <laughs> when a Baptist says, when we really got hurt, the interpretation is they just hurt a bunch of people. Boy, that spirit's leaving. Not the Holy Spirit, that evil spirit. There's a spirit leaving here. Do you hear that that real quiet? Anytime something gets up and leaves, everybody gets quiet and watches it. (laughs) You say, but, well, I I, I was there. I know they got hurt. Honey, you can't get hurt in this thing unless you're on the front lines. You got to be in the battle to get hurt. The only people in the battle are in there on purpose. The only people on the front lines studied Calvary long enough to want to go get some wounds of their own and bring them back to him as trophies. Frontliners ain't whiners. They never have been. They're the only ones getting shot. Frontliners, ones on the front line, they're the only ones close enough to the real enemy for the enemy to shoot them. They're so far ahead of all the whiny babies, the whiny babies are shooting up there and they're shooting frontliners in the back. Frontliners are getting it from the enemy and they're catching friendly fire, uh, unfriendly fire from the rear end. And frontliners ain't whiners. I'm closing. We'll have to finish this study another day. I feel like maybe I've got a little anorexia coming on. I felt that one time when I was nine and I've been eating ever since. I thought it just, I felt just a twinge of anorexia and I want to go eat something. I'd hate, I'd hate to catch something like that and get skinny. You need to go with me, son. This boy needs to go with us. Real bad. Lancaster, you're coming along well. I'm proud of you, son. Don't look like your father-in-law after a while. He's a beautiful man, too. I know he is. His brother looks just like him. I was in uh, right above Washington, D.C. when the two world trade towers got hit. I was preaching up in Maryland for my father. He was up there at the time. He had a deacon that worked at the Pentagon. He had a deacon in the Pentagon when that plane hit it or when George Bush blowed it up, whichever one you believe. <laughs> that Rosie O'Donnell's about I'm voting for Trump. <laughs> Bam! We was fixing to go in the morning service. Somebody had it on the TV in the living room. There's six of us preachers in there. We was all watching that first trade tower. About nine o'clock in the morning, we had a 10 o'clock service. Here come that second plane. Bam! I told a red-headed preacher in New York City next to me, I said, that's, that's terrorist. Notice something that day? 20,000 people were running away from the fire and about four dozen were running into it. Yeah. 
And I ain't to this day heard a fireman or his wife or his children complain about what happened to the fireman that day. I ain't seen a lawsuit. Everybody else had a lawsuit except the people that actually got killed. Them firemen were rushing in. Y'all ain't helping me. Frontliners. They were going up the stairs. Well, everybody else was running down. Yeah. Woo! Yeah. They done pledged. They done counted that cost. Yeah. There was a day back there they said, I'm willing to lay my life down for my fellow man. Yeah. Hallelujah. Frontliners ain't whiners. They actually get hurt. But here's what they say. I'm rejoicing that I was counted worthy to suffer for his name's sake. They actually get hurt by people and here's what they do. They leap and rejoice and shout at because that they're being persecuted for his name's sake. They turn them apostles loose out there after beating them with many stripes and they hit the sidewalk preaching. <laughs> and here's what they said. We've been so hurt last night. <laughs> no. They had open wounds still bleeding on their back and they hit, they sooner they turned them out of jail, they went to preaching again. Rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer for his name's sake. They wasn't none of this. Well, we really got hurt. We're not going to be an apostle no more. They, 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 they nobody like us. The Roman Empire don't like us. Oh my. <laughs> huh? No, we've been having church 2,000 years. done turned into a bunch of babies. We don't even get hurt and tell everybody how bad we got hurt. Where's the blessedness that you speak of? There's a time you'd have plucked your eyes out. As old Billy Kelly, you say, look up in here, come here. Some of you having a real good time with Pastor Ezel right now. You petting him and he's petting you. He's supposed to, he's being kind and tender. But what are you going to do when you got to crawl up in your wagon and preach on your sin? Come here. Listen. What are you going to do about three years from now when you ain't the new thing around here and everybody ain't fawning over you? You going to find you another church go down there and talk about how bad they hurt you down here when you showed yourself and had to leave? (laughs) (laughs) Me and him, God's made us... He's given us, he's forged us into fire. I got some preachers that I started with and I've stayed with and we're still together. 20 years, 30 years. We've acted like Paul at times and acted like Simon Peter at times. But we've got over it and we're still together. We went into things, we went under, we went over, we went around, we've had stuff fall on us. And we're still in it together. I done been through four fan clubs trying to get rid of another group right now. <laughs> Come on now. 
Billy Graham and Billy Sunday off the same time. <laughs> Until I get to their church. And I crawl up on their pew. And then they got to go find another evangelist and be his favorite fan club. And say stuff like, well, you know, he used to really pray, but he's lost his burden. You know, he's, he's got out of the word or something. You could tell. My church split three times when I got there, and I didn't even know it. My hand before heaven, that's the truth. I started out preaching for Jesus, and I ain't never changed my mind about that. I started there in February. They made me pastor in April. A big group left in August, and I never knew it. They waited on me to get discouraged and upset, and finally in the middle of September, like seven men, you know, Sister Patty and her sister and all them got upset. I said, who? What? Preacher, our church split six weeks ago. Is that right? Well, what about that? Now, page 57. We got some more, sing it, and we got some more sinners to get saved. Come on. Another bunch left in January, another bunch left in April. I never knew it. That's the truth. Three splits. I never knew any of them happened. What was you doing? I was foaming at the mouth, climbing over pews. Watching cars pull in and sinners hit the altar. Yeah. I didn't give a rip about a bunch of old silly bad. This is always getting hurt. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's the truth, Sergeant. Three splits, and they had to tell me all three times. I never knew who really who left, so it never bothered me. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't count on Sunday. I didn't know anybody's name. I wasn't trying to find their name. I done been in the inner chambers and seen him. Yeah. I done been around over there and looked into hell and seen how bad that was. I wasn't playing with a bunch of silly Baptists in the south. Yeah, Plucked their eyes out one minute and then pluck yours out the next. Yeah. Yeah. Ain't playing that game. There's conflicts down here. Keep your blessing. Keep it. He's kept it. I'm halfway. I'm 46. I've kept mine 33 years. I ain't mad at my enemies. I ain't rebelled against my authorities. I ain't got bitter at my Savior. I'm not being funny now. It's a serious business. Your brother testified last night. You told me about what happened to his little girl the night before. And then he stood right there and he thanked Jesus yeah. for taking his little girl. She's waiting on you, friend. She's waiting on y'all. He ain't lost his blessing. He could have got mad at God. He's still in church and he stood up last night and told the Lord, the elect angels, the presbytery, and the brethren all at the same time. And any devils that was hanging around. That he thanked God for what he's done in their life. He's found a way to keep his blessing. Where's your blessing? 
guarantee you the Lord's been holding her. Yeah. <laughs> waiting for you to get there. And when you get there, he's going to have You're going to have a thousand years to have what you didn't get to have. And then you move out into eternity and it lasts forever. I'm keeping my blessing. Sister Pianist, come on and play for us. If you don't come play the piano, this evangelist will just keep on preaching all night. Hey, y'all. There's a real conflict down there at the church. We only got the... There's three or four more in that book of Galatians. Can I tell you this story? Keeping your blessing. You can softly play, sister, whatever you got there. We had an old, great old preacher used to come around our church. He retired in Florida. Walter St. Clair. One leg was shorter than the other. He got wounded in World War II. Every time he'd, he was an old preacher. He'd come over to my church because he enjoyed shouting. He loved all them young preachers I had in there and he loved me. I was a young preacher. He was 80-something. He'd always pull out that little Gideon New Testament. had Franklin Delano Roosevelt signature on it back when America wasn't ashamed of God or the flag. He'd always, every time he preached, he'd raise that up. He had that little Bible in his hand that night that his warship got sunk. 2,000 of his buddies went down in a whirlpool bigger than this church. And he said God held him on the edge of that whirlpool in the middle of the night. And he heard them screaming and watched them go down and said the Holy Ghost held him back. And he pulled that little Bible out and held it up so it wouldn't get wet. Treaded water with one arm and held that little Bible. And old Walter St. Clair, they wrote a book about him. You know what he said he did all night? Only thing he could think of. He sang the little Sunday school songs. That his Sunday school teacher taught him when he was a little fella. He held that little Bible up and sang Sunday school songs all night. And then they come and rescued him and a few more. He preached on all seven continents and made me want to. He preached on all seven continents. He'd come over there to our little church and limp and weep and shout and wave that little Bible and preach and he'd tell me and my boys. He'd say, boys, if you do anything in this Christian life, if you do anything, do this one thing. Keep Jesus sweet on your soul. His little wife from Tennessee, she was redheaded and she died. She had scalped all the grass up out of the yard and brought in Tennessee River Rock. She loved Tennessee. He told us, I want you boys to come see me. He lived an hour away, but we'd go see him. He said, but when you come in there, he said, I've got a little place set for Jesus. He said, he has supper with me every night. He said, I walked back in that house without her and that, that little house. 
He said, I closed the door and it was bigger than the Sahara Desert. And I was all alone. He said, Lord, you got to come help me. He said, the Lord said, if you'll set me a place, I'll come have supper with you every night. And he said, you boys can come see me, but there's a chair next to my chair and you can't sit there. That's where the Lord sits. This thing better be in your heart to love him or you won't last. You'll be out there acting goofy somewhere. I was sitting there with him one evening and I kept looking at that empty chair next to him. (laughs) And he said, oh, oh, what time is it? Oh, he said, it's almost three o'clock, come here. He said, you got to help me. He said, oh, I'm so excited. He said, it's one of the biggest ministries God's ever given me. Come here and help me. This man preached on all seven continents. Great crusades. Tens of thousands. I thought, my soul, what's happening? Is that bus fixing to pick us up? We're going to a crusade? What? Oh, come here, he said. He got a little Bible, a little, <laughs> little basket with candy. This is one of the biggest ministries God's ever given me. Come here. He opened his front door and we went out and he shut the door and we were there. He said, just stand right here. I thought maybe he was losing his mind. He said, you need to pray. We're fixing to have I was standing there. Okay. I'll go along with him. Maybe his mind's slipping. Mine wasn't slipping. Yellow school bus pulled in. It parked. And all the neighborhood kids got out and nobody went home. They all ran to that front porch. They lined up without him telling them to. He'd already trained them. They lined up. What but about 10 of them. And he stood on that banister. What's our verse for the week? They quoted John 3.16. Okay. What's our song for the week? And they sang Jesus loves me. He said that was. And gave them all candy and they ran. And he said oh. What a service we had. Did you see that? We went in the house and he shouted for 45 minutes. Yeah. He couldn't quit talking about what just happened. I didn't know anything happened. Until he told me something happened. And then I crawled under the couch. He's shouting and I was on the floor. God forgive me. God forgive me.